Bokertov, today's daf is daf mem dalid in Sota, as we learned for a poor shlema for Eloza ben Ruma and Yosef Ezreal ben Chaim Michal. About 11, zine, 11 lines down on the page at the two dots. Mi Yesh Hashem, as the Pasik said, we quoted this yesterday. Who is the man who has, who has uh, betrothed the woman and not married her? He should go back. And we said what this means, go back, is go back and work in the supply lines. Because only if he actually married her and hasn't fulfilled a year, uh, the uh, first year of marriage, uh, only then uh, does he, is he totally exempt from any duty at all. Uh, but this, this part is speaking about Sheres Isha, the part that uh, if he got engaged and he didn't marry her yet, he can go back and work in the supply. Start up on Sheres whether he got engaged, betrothed a virgin, whether she was a widow, or even if he never betrothed her, his brother had betrothed her and his brother died. We mentioned this case yesterday. Even if there's five brothers, one of them died in war. He died with no children, and there's four brothers remaining. Now, only one of the brothers is going to perform even still Kulan husband. They all go back because they, they are all potential husbands. They all go back and they work on the supply lines. Pasik says, uh, Why does it say for Obviously, we're talking about that woman that it says it could have just said that excludes certain cases. If a Kohen Gadol had betrothed an Amana, which is a uh, forbidden marriage, he doesn't go back. He goes out to war. Uh, you, by the way, you see over here that a Kohen Gadol goes out to war too. He's not exempt from fighting. Everybody goes out, right? We'll see. Grusha uh, v'chalutza l'koin hedyo. Or a Kohen hedyo can't marry a Grusha v'natar v'chalutza m'rabonan. Amzeos and Asila Yisrael. Rashi quotes here again that the Nesina were the the Gavonim were part of the seven tribes. I don't know why they weren't all killed. They Misheva Umos, and uh, they are forbidden to marry uh, to marry Jews, just like a Mamzerus cannot marry the Kal. So Mamzerus still married Yisrael or Bas Yisrael Mamzerusin. The same thing. All those are forbidden marriages, and those people would not be exempt. It's only if you have normal, regular marriage that you betroth her and you didn't marry her yet, you can go back and work in the supply lines. Pardon? It's a punishment that you have to serve. Yeah, punishment you have to serve. You're not exempt. Now, serving is not necessarily punishment, but you don't get an exemption if you're committing a sin. Again, we're going to have mention him in the next Mishnah. We mentioned him yesterday also that we said that one of the people who are exempt is a person who's afraid of his sins. So over here, why shouldn't this person be a, be a, be exempt? Because a person who's afraid of his sins is entitled to go back and not serve in the front lines, just work in the supply lines. So over here, this is a sin. Why can't you say? Why can't you say this? Says the heart doesn't go like Rashi. According to Rashi, he should be exempt because he's a sinner. I feel to me Rashi with go like Rashi. Can Rabba like Rabba explains? I'm Rabba la Ola mein achai vachiyivo. Rabba says like this that Rashi explains that when it comes to a mamzer marrying in a sin. There's no variant of Kedushin. The Kedushin, it doesn't say lo yikach. It says over there, lo yavo mamzer, which means in, in, in intimate, talking about intimacy. If you're intimate, uh, Yisrael should not be intimate with a mamzer or vice versa. And there we talk about it because it says, uh, and also when it talks about a coin uh, with a, um, uh, a grusha, it says, uh, as, as, uh, and there it talks about, it says lo yavo, right? Yikach indicates marriage, betrothal. 
So there it says, is a Therefore, Rabbah says yes, but the only reason it's forbidden is because you're going to be Machal only if he comes to uh, either, either um, profaning his children or his wife. So Rabbah says, even if you got engaged, even if a coin Godel, let's say, gets engaged to an Almana or a coin uh, gets engaged to a Grusha, he hasn't sinned yet. So therefore, you could even look at Vesigula. You're right, a sinner is exempt. But in this case, a Kohen who is about to perform a, a bear by marrying a Grusha or a Kohen Gadol marrying an Almana, but he hasn't sinned yet. He's not exempt because of his sin because he hasn't really sinned until he actually um, uh, consummates the marriage. Uh, that's what Elvis says. Why? Because it says Loikach. Even though it says Loikach over there, Matam Loikach Mishum Loichau. He shouldn't take her in order not to Michal because that's the, that's Mishum Hachi. Ain't a loka He doesn't get Malkus until he actually does Bia. But that's what Rashi was saying that number Ain't a Bia Bekedushin Achievel. She have a Zara or as Ishul Leichil. Mamzeres in the Senate says no Bia in the Kedushin. Doesn't say Loikach. It just says Lo Yavok. Lo says Chatein. Don't marry them in love. There's no issue in the condition itself by Amman. It says Loikach, but Rab explains that to me that there's no obeyer in the Kicha itself until you actually do the Chilu. So, therefore, the people over here, yes, basically says that a person who has sinned is exempt. But these people aren't exempt. They haven't sinned yet, but they're about to. That The fact that they're about to commit a sin does not exempt them from uh, from the army, from serving in, from serving in the front lines. Tanrabanam. The Torah gave these exemptions. You built a house and you haven't lived in it for a year, or you planted a camera, you haven't been mechalit for a year. In other words, you started, but you haven't you haven't uh, been uh, you haven't um, eaten the fruits in the fourth year. And you didn't uh, you didn't uh, dedicate the house yet. Asher said you engaged, you got engaged to a woman, and you didn't marry her. When the Torah the Torah is teaching you the proper way of the land, the proper uh, conduct. She if not unbiased, a person should feel first build the house, feed the karam, plant a vineyard, In other words, first learn how to make a living and then get married. Not like some do where they say, I'm gonna I'm not gonna make a living. I'm looking to get supported over here, right? God will provide. Uh, pardon? God will provide. God will provide, right. So that's the Torah, that's the Dara You should build a house, plant a field, then get married. Shlomo Amel said in his great wisdom in Mishle, prepare your work outside, and make it fit for you out in the field, then build your house. And what does that mean, build your house here? It means getting married afterwards. He explains the three, the three uh, portions here. Build a house, right? Make it fit for you. By fit for having a living there, by building a carom, a field, have a way of supporting yourself. Afterwards, then you build your house. Your house over here is Isha, Ishto Obeso, right? When we say Ishto Obeso, we don't mean the house literally, we mean his family, his, his, his wife, and his family. First learn Chumash. Make it fit for you, that Mishnah. That's Mishnah, the explanation, the oral law. Then, then you learn afterwards, after you learn the Mishnah, then you learn the Gemara, which is the Svaras, the Stiras, who says what, who the Allah is like, etc. The first chat, the first phrase refers to Chumash and Mishnah. The third phrase, after you've learned Mishnah, Mikra, Mishnah, and Gemara, then concentrate on Masim Tovim. 
All three, Mikra Mishnah Megur, all referred to in the first phrase. Now you can darshan it after you've learned Mikra Mishnah and Gemara and you did Masim Tovim. Now you could do, you could darshan the Torah and be Mikabashar for that. That's Drush. Those are the different levels of learning, right? Shat, etc. Drush. Let's say you don't fulfill the exemption. Because he didn't build a house. All you built was like a gatehouse. Tana imhose. So says if you built a gate, if you built a gatehouse or an achsadra or a merpeset. And then he went on to say that uh, if you only um, if you only built uh, rebuilt your own house on the same exact same uh, meterage, you just wrecked it and started all over again. You didn't add one brick because you don't want the neighbors saying you extended your house and then they'll give you a tzav shmona to turn. You know, to uh, to tzav harisa, uh, so you don't want that. So he built it on the same space. Then it's not an exemption. Uh, so we said there. If he added one row of bricks, he made it just a little bit bigger. That's already a new house. And then you don't have to go imhosipodimus um, Then you could go back. In other words, you go back and you work in the supply lines. If a house is only a house, and we said an aksadra or a gatehouse, or a merpeset is not a house. And also if you built a house, a brick house in the Sharon, which is a low lying area where the soil is very soft and it gets wrecked easily, that's not, you don't go back for that, that's not a house. Twice every, in every Shemitah, you have to redo the house because it keeps falling down. The found people don't leave at all, meaning the ones we talked about until now, where you uh, you got engaged, but you didn't uh, get married, right? You 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 got engaged betrothed, but you didn't get married, or you uh, you built a kerem, but you didn't uh, you didn't do the fourth year yet of the fruits, um, or you built a house and you didn't dedicate it. These people go back and work in the supply lines, right? But they go out to hear the uh, the uh, calling of the kohen and the the kohen meshuchal and the Shochim, and they hear, listen to his speech, and then they go back. Yeah, but the fun. Are these voluntary exemptions, or you let's say you want to, you don't want to take the exemption? No, you're supposed to take the exemption. It's, it's proper to take the exemption, right? Take the exemption and go back and work in the supply lines. Uh, maybe if uh, somebody really wanted to anyway, but I think it's proper to to it's just proper to you know you don't leave your wife hanging out there. It's proper to do those things, right? They need those guys. But the farm people don't leave at all. They don't leave at all, meaning they don't even go out to the to the boundary to hear the calling, to hear the speech of the Mashiach Muhammad, but they stay at home. Who's that? He built a house and he dedicated it, but he hasn't lived in it for a year. Or he um, uh, he got married, right? He, built, he got married um, and he took his wife already. Not that he he's a, he's just a betrothal, just a betrothal. Took his wife, he hasn't lived with her for a year, but they call Shana Rishona, and he hasn't done that. Or he um, he uh, worked on the Karim, he worked on the Karim, and he's in the fourth year, but he hasn't completed the fourth year. These people don't go back at all. And as, and as they don't even have to go out to hear the speech, they stay home. Uh, now, later on, later on, this is a, this is all, all these exemptions are in Perikhoff. In Perikhoff Dalit and Kiseitse, it talks about a man who got married in his first year, he doesn't leave the house at all. He stays home with her, meaning, and he doesn't go out to war at all. 
says, uh, If he takes a new wife, uh, that's what the Pasuk says. He doesn't leave. He stays home. It's only a new wife. Uh, how do I know could sound like, you know, she hasn't been married yet. What happens if she's a widowed or divorced? How do you know that that's also an exemption? For him, it's a new wife. It's new to him. Let's say he takes back his wife. A man divorces his wife. He's not a Kohen. He can take her back. So he's not exempt from the, uh, you know, like he got to divorce his wife and then the war comes. He's about to declare war. He says, you know, come back. We'll, we'll, we'll get married again. So I don't have to go out to the war. That's not an exemption. Only if it's a new wife to him. think he works in the supply lines, fixes the roads and supplies food and drink to the troops. He shouldn't be called on for anything. In other words, he shouldn't, you, you shouldn't uh, pass over him and, and, and uh, draft him for anything at all. I might think include as we said, the if he built a house and he didn't dedicate it, or not the Kemrochelo, he planted a field, uh, Kerem, and he didn't um, he didn't use the fruits in the fourth year, or he just got engaged and he didn't marry her at all yet. I might think that a guy also stays home totally. no, a love. The offer a love, a love Iatamaver. You don't draft him at all, he stays home. The one who just took a new wife and he's in Shana Rishona. But you do cause others to be drafted. And what do they do? And they draft new work on the supply lines and, and uh, the construction, like you say, in the army, in the Corps of Engineers. If it says, it says, since it says, what do you need? What do you need? You shouldn't draft him for anything. So obviously, he shouldn't go into the army. That if you draft him, you're over on two Lavin. It's mashed over here that, you know, he shouldn't go. He shouldn't go out to the army at all. Meaning even voluntarily, even if his wife agrees, he shouldn't go out to the army. The Yasfar Shotum, the Shotum added on. We saw yesterday that first the Kohanim speak the first part about don't worry, God is with you, etc. Then the Shotum repeat what the Kohanim told, what the Kohanim Mashiach Muhammad told them about the various exemptions. And then they added on more. And they said, whoever is afraid, also get out of here, go back. If, you, if you're afraid uh, of fighting, and we'll see why you're afraid of fighting. But if you're afraid of fighting, you should also be exempt. That's the part that they showed me on without the Kohen Mashiach Muhammad leading them. What does it mean? This is a person who's afraid and of soft of heart. What does that mean? He can't stand by the formations of the army. Rashi brings down that. You know, if you ever see these uh, old movies where they show you how they used to fight? You know, how did they fight? They lined up all the horses one next to another. You know, they didn't, they didn't like, say spread out. They all, they lined up in formation to keep the enemy from separating them. They wanted to go as a force. So he says, he says, he can't stand it. He sees the formation of the, of the, uh, of, yeah, the, the, the other army, the enemy, you know, with their spears hanging out. Uh, he can't stand seeing a drawn sword. That's He's frightful of that. That's a simple translation. He's afraid. He's soft of heart. He sees that. He falls apart. That's Rabbi Kiva says. That, that's, the, that's the proud of Yorei Barach Leibov. He's afraid. He's afraid of the sins that he has. 
He's afraid that God's going to get him. You know, when when you're in uh, when you're guilty of sins, that's when the malachim is hanging around there. Therefore, the Torah was good to him. He's afraid of his sins, uh, and therefore he's afraid of the army. But therefore, the Torah was nice to him even in these circumstances and gave him these other exemptions, the exemptions of a new, uh, a, a new betrothal, a new kerem, a new house, so that when he goes back, he doesn't have to tell everybody, well, I have a lot of sins on my hand. You don't want to brag about your sins. He could, they can assume that he was exempt for one of the other reasons. Rabbi Yossi Omer, now Rabbi Yossi is not Rabbi Yossi, I agree with you. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Amar Lukoin Gogusha Chosen Kayed, Mamzer Sinai Israel, Basra, and Mamzer, Hare, who are your Echlavayba? In other words, the person who's afraid is because of the sins that he has. He's, he's married to the wrong person. The Gemara will ask, what's the difference between Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yossi Aglili? Rabbi Yossi Aglili says, the person who's afraid of his sins. Rabbi Yossi also says, talking about the afraid of his sins, he's married to the wrong kind of a woman. The Gemara will explain this. When the Shotram finished speaking to the people, and this is the Pesach. They will appoint officers at the head of the uh, at the head of the nation. It's the head of the army. Then the Gemara adds on, Mishnah adds on, and in the back of the nation, back of the army formation, they put up guards there, in front of them and behind them. Um, the, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, they put guards in front of them and other guards behind them. They've had iron axes in their hands. This is what we would call the military police. If anybody tries to defect and uh, go AWOL when they're in the army and they, they have the officers there, that's the MPs. Who stand there front, in the front and in the back. Posik says, Barashia Am, right? But here he says, we put him in the back too. Whoever wants to go back after he didn't receive an exemption, or Shis Biado, the, uh, the officers, the MPs have permission to beat his, his thighs, to sever or beat his thighs, uh, right? Now, what he really means to say is the beginning of the downfall is flight, but he says it the other way around. The beginning of flight is downfall. Tomorrow we'll correct this, but that's what it sounds like. In other words, when people start running away, when people start running away when they're going out to war, that's a bad sign. That's the beginning of the downfall. You need people to be strong and go in there. Shinemar, they ran away. Then there was a great magefa that caused the magefa. When they started running away, then they fell dead people. And as they fell, uh, they were they were killed. All this is speaking about all this business about the various exemptions, that's only by a voluntary war of Muhammad's mitzvah. It's a Muhammad's mitzvah, and everybody goes out. Not only the first year, even the first week, even the Khan just had their wedding, they go out right away. Sav Shmona, they go right away, and everybody goes out to fight. Everybody, there's no exemptions at all. Um, Rabbi, Yudah. Rabbi Yudah says a similar thing, but he says it differently. The Tanakhama said, when do we say there are exemptions by Muhammad's Rishos, but not by Muhammad's Mitzvah? Rabbi Yudah, um, Rabbi Yudah, Mitzvah. This is speaking about only that it's an exemption where, where there's a Muhammad's Mitzvah. Muhammad's Chobah, if it's an obligation, everybody goes out. Everybody goes out. So is there a difference between Rabbi Yudah and the Tanakhama? 
Tanakama said, by Machamas Rishus, there's exemptions, not by Machamas Mitzvah. Rabbi Yudas says, no, by Machamas Mitzvah, there's exemptions, not by Machamas Chavah. We'll see that they don't really argue. In fact, they only argue about Yabidur's doing certain mitzvahs. We'll talk about that. They just use a different Lashon. Gemara is going to explain that when Rabbi Yudas says Machamas Mitzvah, that's the same as Machamas Rishus for the Tanakama. And when the Tanakama says Machamas Mitzvah, everybody goes out, that's the same as Machamas Chavah of Rabbi Yehuda. Where's the difference between them? What you call it? Do you call the Machemis Rishus as a mitzvah and then Osik Mitzvah Pat Mitzvah, or do you call that a Rishus and it's not really Osik Mitzvah at all? Bigmar will explain. Women in the army? Pardon? Bigmar doesn't talk. That's right. That's right. Women in the army. Correct. Exactly right. Because it's a Machemis Chova. Ma'ika ben Rabbi both of them said that Yari Barachleva refers to somebody who's afraid of their sins. Rabbi says he's afraid of the mitzvah of Averis Biado. And Rabbi Yossi also says he's afraid because he's married to the wrong woman because of Averis. What's the difference between them? Let's say it was only over Averis Biado. What do you mean, Matt? Why? Because Rabbi Yossi says if you're afraid of any sins that you've done, well, it could even be a sin on a Mr. Drabana. Whereas Rabbi Yossi says he's afraid because he's married to the wrong woman. That's Menatora. The Torah says a coin should marry Grusha, you should marry a Mamzer, etc. So, according to Rabbi Yossi, the, the only exemption is you're afraid of the Pharisee mitzvahs in the Torah. According to Rabbi Yossi, clearly you're afraid of any mitzvahs. Kamanos, Lahadatanya. Who does the following Brysa go like? Let's say Soch Bain Tfilah Latfilah. We know, and this should, this should be reviewed many times. That many times during davening, people are putting on their their tefillin. You're not allowed to talk between the first tefillin between the shaliyad and the shalosh. Not only you're not allowed to talk, people come over and ask me a question while I'm putting on my tefillin. You're not even supposed to motion to them. You know, you're not supposed to interrupt anybody between the while you're putting on the tefillin. That's why you make one bracha. That's why you make the second bracha is said with the baruch shem that because some say you don't make a bracha at all. But if you interrupt, if you did talk between the two tefillin, you'd have to make another bracha. So it's hard to tell you, Sach main tefillin, tefillin, Avera he biyado, it's an Avera. V'chozor, you go back, me'orche al-mechama. In other words, the the war regulations would allow you to be exempt. Avera biyado v'chozor, come on, that goes to Kabeshe Glil, because that's only Drabana. Men Torah, there's no, you don't make a bracha. Right? It's not, it's not that the, the brachas are not issue. So therefore he says that goes like if you saw if you spoke, if you talk between the two uh, between putting on Shal Yad and Shal Rosh, that's an Avera, and you would go back for that. That's like that goes like Rabbi Glee. It says even Avera Drabanam, you go back for. Take a look at Rashi over here on the right side. He spoke. What does that mean? Interesting. Here we have Machlog's Rashi tells us. Rashi says the Avera is not speaking. Smashra, you could speak, but then you'd have to make another bracha on the Shorosh. If you did speak, let's say for some reason you spoke after you put your Tron Shayat on and you spoke, then when you make a bracha on the Shorosh, when you say, right, I'll, I'll, uh, when you say, um, I'll, what bracha do we make on it from? You say, Laniach Tfilin? And we say, I'll Mitzvah Tfilin. And then we say Baruch Shem Kamsalad. You wouldn't say Baruch Shem Kamsalad. Why? Because you needed to make the bracha. If you if you spoke after you put the shalyad, you have to make another bracha down on Shalosh because you spoke in between. 
So here he says, what's the Avera? Im lo chazer or bilach, if you didn't make another bracha, da'ach emir benachos, soch, if you spoke between shoyad and shorosh, mabarach shtayim, lo soch, if you didn't speak, you only make one bracha. We the mice say barach shtayim, on the second bracha, mi suffolk, we're not sure, right? Because if it's one mitzvah or two mitzvahs, so we say barach we, so to speak, we negate the second bracha. So here from Rashi, it's mashma, the Avera is not speaking. Tosas and Menachah says mashma, the Avera is not allowed to speak. But over here, from Rashi, it's mashma, the Avera is not speaking. The Avera is not making another bracha on the Shel Rosh. If you spoke between them, you didn't make a bracha, that's your, that's your Avera. So, uh, so some say, so how does this fit? With the, according to this, uh, if you spoke like this, um, this would not be, uh, that would be an Avera. But what do you mean? You always have to make, it's certainly an Avera. Everybody holds this an Avera drabana, not to make a bracha. But it could be it's not an avera that you that you go back on. That's the point. That according to um, uh, according to uh, Rabbi Yossi, you will go on a mitzvah daraisa. Is there a bunny? You wouldn't go back for that. But in any case, that's what Rashi says. The avera is not speaking. The avera is like does much. The avera is speaking. I'll to speak. He says the avera is if you spoke and you didn't make a second bracha. In any case, it's a drabbanan. Yeah. These avera. These averas are are. Hidden Averas. Nobody knows about them but you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, when he goes, yeah. he goes to Bobakita yeah. and say, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, afraid. he's afraid. He's afraid that he's going to get punished now. The, the Malach of Abbas so is standing there on the battlefield. And then he's for sure a Russia. Right, there are ways to get out. There's always ways for people who want to get out of it. There's always ways of getting out of it. But if he's afraid, that's it. Maybe, maybe he questions him more. Maybe the uh, when they when they mention the exemption, they'll say, "What was what was the avera that you did?" Contrary if you just uh, spoke between the shalrash shalyad and shalrosh, according to Tosos, that's good for you. Or if you didn't make a bracha, things like that would also exempt you. Becomes a problem because ain't that required Yeah. Okay, but that means that's avera b'shogeg. Maybe this he did this b'meis. It maybe means this kind of avera. An avera. We're not saying the differences between Shogeg and Mazid. We say the difference between Yosef and did you do a Grice or Drabban? It's from both of you talking about it. Uh, certainly when he got married, that was a Mazid. You know, he got married to the wrong woman he wasn't supposed to. That's a Mazid. You're also presuming we're talking about what he did for Mazid. He did it for Shogeg. That's what it means. Ain't Sadiq Barat Asher Yasatovalo Yachta. That's talking about for Shogeg. Everybody makes their bears for Shogeg. Not everybody does it for Mazid. That's right. Then he then he wouldn't be accepted. He has, he has worried, an right, right. And, and we said that before. If you did shuba, if you did shuba, so um, we said that before. If you did shuba, let's say he stole the field. Remember, he stole the house. So is he exempt from that? No, he paid for it now, but he's not exempt. He's not exempt. That does that doesn't give him an exemption. In other words, keeping the mikar scale the other day. He's not, he's not exempt for that. So, you know, so he should go back. Yes, he's not, doesn't serve an exemption. If he did tshuva, he wouldn't be a reason to be, he wouldn't be a reason to be afraid anymore. Right, we're talking about a various piyado that he didn't do tshuva on. In other words, when it comes, it's one thing, he doesn't want to do tshuva. It's another thing when he sees the malachim of us on the battlefield, he wants an exemption for that. Uh, who's the author of the following Bryce? Let's say a man, He's just terribly afraid. He hears the sound of the trumpets of the uh, of the of the enemy. Virtia, he's trembled because of that. Virtia means like you know in, in modern Hebrew we use that word to mean deterrence, you know, hard to ah. But it means he's afraid and he's not going to do it again. Hakafas streets and he hears the 
banging of the uh, shields, you know, that make noise, Be'ertia, that makes them tremble, brandishing of the sword. So in the, uh, our school, friends, that is like to polish or to shine or to the glittering of the, of the, of, of the you know, as you see, the, you see those uh, swords hanging out there and he's afraid of the Roman Shosh he, he sees that and he wet his pants. That's exactly what it means. If he's, if, who's the author of this that says that, you know, he hears the noises and the sounds and this, and he sees the swords and the shields and all that, and he wet his pants closer, he goes back. Who is the author that, come on, lay me, Rabbi Kiva. The Lord bless you. He goes like Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva is the one who said, literally, he's afraid. He sees them, he's afraid. And not really, Rabbi Yossi say, it's, it's, uh, you're afraid of a virus in your hand, not literally that you're afraid of getting killed. So the heart goes like Rabbi Kiva, not Rabbi here, who says the that refers to if you have a virus in your hand. But even so, if a person is so afraid that he wet his pants, so even here, he's motor that you go back. He shouldn't melt the hearts of his friends like him. In other words, if people are going out to war and, you see, and the guy next to you wet his pants when he sees the, the approaching you army, you. you don't want him next to you, right? He should also go back. So he should go back, even Rabbi Yosei Glili, who says, that's not Yorivach Leva, that's a guy who's Yimas, Yimas Eslavav Echav. He's a guy who's going to ruin the morale of the troops, and he should no, also go bad. back. Hmm? He gets other people killed. He gets other people killed. He's going to ruin the morale. Right. Right. When they finish speaking, when they finish giving a whole speech, right, they, they set up the officers, the MPs before and in the back. And uh, make sure nobody runs away because if they start running away, that's the beginning of the downfall. So, what do you mean? I mean the beginning of fleeing is the downfall, just the opposite way. It leads to the downfall. They should feel the feel and ease me, boy. Like, should say the beginning of a downfall is when people start running away. So, even if you have to change the Mishnah, it doesn't say it's we had it in our gear, so the beginning of fleeing is downfall. No, it doesn't work that way. The beginning of the downfall is when they start fleeing. We had apparently a machlokas between Rabbana and Rabbi Yehuda, which is uh, everybody agrees that the exemptions are only on the kinds uh, on one kind, the easier kind of war. But not b'chamis mitzvah. Rabbana said the exemptions are only for b'chamis rishus, not for b'chamis mitzvah. Everybody goes out. Rabbi Yehuda said the exemptions are for b'chamis mitzvah, not for b'chamis chova. So the Rabbi Yochan says they're really saying the same thing. Rishus Rabbanans, that's the Mitzvah Rabbi Yudah. Mitzvah Rabbanans, we chobed Rabbi Yudah. When they said Mitzvah, everybody goes out, and Rabbi Yudah says chobed, because they're really the same thing. Amrav Asarav explains. So what's the difference between them? Amrav Mechamas Yoshua Lechbosh Tiberkol Chov. Everybody agrees that the Mechamas of Yoshua to conquer the land is a chov. Everybody goes to the army. Men, women, everybody. Brides and, and brides and bridegrooms. Mechamas based David Leravcha. The Muhammad said David did for gain. He wanted to get capture more territory and get more taxes, etc. Everybody says that's a rishus. And everybody agreed that there are exemptions for that. Keep the machlokas is If you're talking about um, diminishing the number of in the land, the that they shouldn't come up and, and uh, gain uh, the upper hand on us. They're trying to remove some of them. One calls a mitzvah, but everybody agrees that that's the kind of case that, um, that that's the kind of case where there, there are exemptions. In other words, Rabbi Yudah calls it a mitzvah, 
and the Tanakhama calls it Rishus. Are you involved in a mitzvah and you're put from other mitzvahs? In other words, if you're called up to a voluntary fight, you might call it, maybe that's like with the wars that we have now with the Arabs, where it's not, we're not trying to capture more land and we're not trying to uh, just go out on our own to get more and we're not trying to defend our Israel. Uh, but it's simply, uh, you know, to keep, the, like they say, to mow the grass, you know, to mow the lawn. Uh, maybe that's what we talk about, Mechanis Rishus. Mine calls a rishus, one calls a mitzvah. Now, Camila, is it, if you do this, are you plot from another mitzvah? Others would say that, yeah, we're defending Eretz Yisrael too because they're trying to take us over. It's probably probably everybody would agree that today, when we have to fight a war, that's a mechamez chova because we're not just trying to get more land or or expand our territory. Or pardon, we're defending it, right? We're defending the land. That's probably the same as a mechamez Everybody agrees that that's probably like the mechamez Yeshua lechvoshes ours. How long that ends off? The eighth parak, and now we begin the final parak of Sota, which will complete the parak in the Masech and Mitzvah Shem on Wednesday and make a Siyam. Egla Rufa. Now I was wondering why is Egla Rufa the last parak here? If you look back at the beginning of Mish of uh, Parak Zion, when it lists this is all started, why is this all doing? What's all doing? What's Mishloch Muhammad Egla Rufa doing here? Because we talk about the things that could be said in the vernacular. We like Kriyashma Parsha Sota. That's what you're talking about. Parsha Sota could be said in the vernacular. Tefillah Berachos Hamazon Shvuos Aedus. All those things can be said in any language. And then we said the things that have to be said in Lashon HaKodesh, Bikurim, Chalitza, Berachas Vaklalos, we talked about that, Berachas Kahanim, Berachas Kohen Gadol, Parshas HaMelech, Parshas Egla Rufa, Umashuch Muhammad. So it says Egla Rufa and Mashuch Muhammad. Then we went on to explain all this. So we had a whole parak for Mashuch Muhammad, which we just had, but Mashuch Muhammad is really the next to last one mentioned, right? It said Mashuch Muhammad, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Meshach Muhammad was the last one mentioned in the Mishnah back on Lamed Beis. And the second to last one was Egla Rufa. But when it comes to having a separate parak from Meshach Muhammad and Egla Rufa, Egla Rufa is the last one. Why doesn't it go in order? Egla Rufa should have been the eighth parak and Meshach Muhammad the ninth parak. It doesn't do that. Meshach Muhammad is the eighth parak. Egla Rufa is the last parak. Why is that? So I think it's because we'll see in the next few days that we talk here about the Bezin Hagadol, the Sanhedrin has to go out and determine who was the a murderer, talking about a murder here, and the Sanhedrin. And then at the end, it talks about when there's no more Sanhedrin and there's a lot of murderers around, and what's going to happen in Achrasayamim. We talk about there's a lot of Agatha there, and it ends off with, you know, things are very bad at the time of uh, Mashiach. And uh, we don't, the only one we have to rely on is Avinu Shavashamayim. So it talks about things that are going to happen at the end of days. And once the Sanhedrin is not here anymore, it ends up with an Agatha. So probably the Masechta wants to end off with a nice, Lashon, a Lashon of Agadah, that's probably why it, the order is reversed. And even though Egla Rufa was the first one mentioned at the beginning of Parak Zion, uh, Egla Rufa is, is it, it was mentioned before Meshach Muhammad, here we, here we list it as the last item that we're going to discuss. Egla Rufa, what is Egla Rufa? The, the broken-necked cat. What are we talking about? There's a murder. A murder took place, and they find the victim between two cities. And you're not sure... You know who's it from? So the 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 coin the coin uh, the the, uh, the Sanhedrin comes out, and uh, the center from Godola, they send out some of their judges, and they determine which city was closest to, and then the elders of that city are forced to bring this egg rufa, break its neck, as we'll talk about the details, and to be mechaper. They don't know who the murderer is. If you know who the murderer is, you bring him to justice. Egla rufa belashon again. What do you mean, Lashon Hakodesh? What's said over there? There's a whole parsha there. This Canaan have to say Yadenu Lo Shafu. We didn't spill his blood, and the Kohanim say Kaper Lam There's a whole um, 
there's a whole section in the Torah that talks about uh, what they have to say, the verses that they have to recite, a recital of, of different people. Though these things have to be said also in Hebrew. Shnemar, as it says, when you find a dead body on the land, your elders and your judges will go out. Who's that? Three people from the Bezagol Shalayim. Three people. That's the From there we learn out, we'll see why that it's three three of the judges of the Bezamagodal Sanhedrin that sits in Lishus Agazas in the base of Mikdash. They have to go out. He says five. Shnemer Zekeinecha says Zekeinecha, your elders, that's Shine, that's two, plural. Bishoftecha Stein, that's another two, that's four. And Bezanshak, you can't have an even number of of a Bezan so that you can have a proper. You'll always have a majority. They add on one more, and then uh, therefore you have five. So we have Machlokas between Tanakama and Rabuta, whether you have three or five of the judges go out to look at the case. Nimsa Tomogad, let's say they found him, they found him um, buried under a, under a pile. In other words, he wasn't just strewn out, uh, like, uh, you know, strewn out um, dead on the ground, but he was, it was hidden under a pile. Of dirt or rocks or whatever, or he's hanging from a tree, or he's floating on a on a, uh, a pool of water. They didn't do. They didn't break the neck of the egla for that because that wasn't You must say halal You find him laying on the ground. This is not on the ground. not buried under a pile, or no uh, um, uh, no fill. If he fell down, he's fallen down on the ground, not hanging from a tree. Basada in the field, he's in a field, not floating in the water. Let's say you find him right next to the boundary, the borderline uh, before the uh, frontier, or to a city close to a city of Ovikavim, every the city, every city that involved in this question over here has to have a besan. Yes, the judges from the big besan in Yerushalayim, they're the ones who come out to the case, but it has to be a city that has a besan. Lower your orphan again, they're not from a modidin, You only measure to a city that has a besan. Those are the only ones involved. All this is learned out of Sukkim. My comer, what do we mean? The Mishnah said, Egla Ruf has to be said, Why? Because it says, How do you see from those words that it has to be in Hebrew? How does the Mishnah make sense? This is something is missing. It says like this It says, It says, it says Hakam Shinamrit says Ba'anu Ba'amru. It says Ba'anu Ba'amru, who Ba'anu Ba'amru, the elders of the city will say, Yadena Loshafu, Ba'anu Ba'amru. It says they will reply and say, by the brachas and the clothes, it says the Levim will call it and say, uh, and Orozed, all those little shots that we had by the brachas and clothes, Ba'amru. Ma'aniya Amur Lahon Bosh, it's just like Lashon Akarish, because he learned now by from uh, Moshe Bedim, it says, and there it's Dafka in Hebrew. Right, it says Kisvano Vim Kol Ram, and it says by Moshe Beda by Matan Torah. It says, um, uh, it says, um, it says Kol. It says over there Lashon of Kol Ram, right? Vanim Yanenu Bekol. So therefore, you learn out Kol Kol from the from Moshe Rabbeinu. We learn out from the from the Seres uh, Divas. We learn out that it's Lashon Kodesh to Onolavim, and from Onolavim we learn out to here to this case also that it's Lashon Kodesh. I've come Lashon Kodesh. The Seder I got. So that's how we know that it's Bilashon Akarish because it's Va'anu there and it says Va'anu by the Levium and, and the Brachas and Kolos. The Seder Gola Rufa case. That how, what is the actual Seder? That's what the Mishnah goes on to say. In other words, something's missing in the Mishnah. That's because it says Va'anu. 
And then what's the Seder? How does that work? How does that work? How does that grow up? Okay, he said, went out. That's the Brisa. The Brisa brings down the opinion of Yudah first, not the opinion of the of the Tanakama, which is we'll see is Rav Shimon that it's three. Rav Yudah says it's five. Kenechas two, Shavtechas two, add one more five. Shimon Omer is Kenechas Shnaim. You learn from there that it's two. Bein Bez and Shakel, you can't have an even amount. Therefore, Mosif Lanerechad Harekan Shlosha three. Okay, what about what about the word Bishoftech? Rav Shimon Ami Exid Bishoftech. What does he do with the word Bishoftech? Mi Boilei Lemiuchan Shoftech means the special judges, the judges from the best and like all of the Lishos Agassas. That's what Shoftech teaches me. Rav Yudah knows that it's special judges because it could have just said Zikne and it says Kenecha. Rav Yudah means Zikne is Kenecha Nafka. Why did it say Kenecha? From that word alone, from the ch- changing of the word, it tells you that these are special special judges from the, the, the from the Supreme Court. Let's call it, and therefore, uh, therefore you have two there, two from Shavtech, and therefore you have total of five. Reb Shimon, Reb Shimon says zikne. If you want to say zikne, you couldn't have said just zikne. You can't say zikne. Kenecha teaches you that. Why? If you want to say zikne, it may not be zikne shuk. I mean, any elders from the shuk doesn't have to be even if they're not a Sanhedrin. It just says zikne. Elders, elders could be anybody. Because of Rahmana Sikanecha yours. Because of Rahmana Zikanecha, having been a few synetic, if it only says Kenecha, I would think uh, it would say a few synetic tani, even from a small besan, meaning a besan of 23. That's also called a Sanhedrin, not the Sanhedrin Agalbi Rushlam, which is 71. So because of Rahmana Vishoftecha, that's why it says Vishoftecha. In other words, Rab Shimon says you need Shoftecha to teach me that it's besan Agadol. Because if it would only say Zikne, Zikne can mean any skenim. Even skenecha can mean even a, a Sanhedrin. V'shoftecha teaches me has to be the best on a godel. V'miyuchadin shoftecha. Rabbi Yudah nami zikne zikne. Rabbi Yudah gomer zikne. Rabbi Yudah says you're right. You're right. How do I know zikne means the best on a godel? Because it says I have exerus shavas zikne zikne means zikne aeda by the parham davishot sibor. There it's in the parham davishot sibor the beginning of vayikra vayikra dalit. It talks over there zikne haeda malahol miyuchadin. Just like over there, it means the Beznagodal, the Beznagodal. Afkam Yuchadin Shabayeda. Here also means Miuchadin. So Rabbi Yudah says, I know Zikne means Miuchadin. I don't need Shoftecha for that. Therefore, Shoftecha is extra. Teach me an extra two. So the Gemara says, E Gamar, Ligmara Lakula Milsam If that's the case, what does he need over here Shoftecha for? If you're learning on Xavier Shava, as you say, Xavier Shava is, is not going to learn at Lamechza, ain't Hekish Lamechza. But if you're learning Xavier uh, Shavit, it can also say, learn everything from, from, from Param Dabashal Sibur. Just like over there, it has to be the Miyuchadin, the, uh, the, ex- the special judges from the Supreme Court. And also there it's five. If that's the question now, Egomar, the last line of the Gemara, Egomar, Egomar, if you learn Xavier Shavit from Zikna Eida, then it says by Param Dabashal Sibur, Ligmalakula Milsmehasim, including the five. Why do you have to say that Rabbi Rabbeinu also learns out five? You know, learns out from Sukkim. So say also, how do you know it's five? Not because Kenecha here is two and, and Shoftecha is two and plus one is five. Learn out from Ziknei Ha'eda that you need five. Ziknech v'Shoftecha alone, what do you need for? Ella, the answer is, he doesn't really learn the Gzair Shava. Ella vav v'Shoftecha l'minyana. Here's how he learns it out. So how does Rebuda know that it's five? Because he says, you're right, Shoftecha is really to teach me has to be the best not just like Reb Shimon learns. Just like Shimon learns. In other words, he says, uh, Zikenecha is two. Shoftecha teaches me that it's the Bezna Gadol. 
right? And Sekenecha still means there's two, but he learns the Vav. Why does it say Sekenecha Bishoktecha? That's Vav could have said it differently. Uh, the fact that it says that they're Vav there teaches me that there's two more. Right? He doesn't learn the Gzeir Shav at all. Because if you learn Gzeir Shav, you wouldn't need Shoktecha. But he says Sekenecha Shoktecha is to teach me best when I go to like Rav Shimon. The Vav teaches me two more. Rav Shimon, Vav lo mashmali. Rav Shimon doesn't learn the Vav at all. He doesn't dash the Vav. The Vav doesn't teach me anything. They both agree Shoftecha means the best of and Sekenecha means two. But Rav Yudah says the Vav of Shoftecha teaches me that extra two, and that's why there's five. So Rav Shimon, who's the Tanakhama Ramish, says a best of three, and the best according to Rav Yudah, doesn't really have to be five. Five of those judges go out to look at the case and to do the measurements of these cities. And as we'll see in the Gemara, that you have to have, as we said in the Mishnah, that the um, the cities have to be Jewish cities uh, and cities in which there is at least a Besden of some sort, at least a Besden, like a, a small son and a son of 23. All right, the Gemara, tomorrow's Gemara, we'll pick it up from the second line there on Dafnan Hay. We'll be on the podcast. On Sunday, Mir Hashem, we'll start from the Gemara on the fifth line on Memvav. Amen, Bob. That'll be on Sunday. These are long down from next week, and Ritz Hashem will make a seam on Wednesday. On Wednesday. Shabbat Shalom with Muslim. Thank you.